to the finale of our creepy, scary, Halloween spooktacular. Yay. I'm Kat. Uh, I'm Taylor. And today we are combining true crime with a spooky and scary urban legend about a strange man-like being who stalked the streets of Victorian Britain. Uh, so long before Jack the Ripper stalked the streets of London, there was another Jack bringing terror to the capital's citizens, and his name was Spring-Heeled Jack. That's right, because you guys seem to like the olden-timey cases, and we like researching them. Yeah. Even though record keeping was nobody's priority <laughs> in Victorian times. I mean, like, so not dying of, like, horrible, gruesome industrial accidents were basically their only priority, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what more do you really want? Yeah, that's enough to do during a day. So the origins of spring Jack are disputed. Of course they are. <laughs> but the most popular account uh, takes place in London sometime in October 1837. A young woman named Mary Stevens was walking through Clapham in South London on the way to her home in Lavender Hill after visiting her parents in nearby Battersea. Lavender Hill sounds delightful, I think. It sounds very, like, picturesque, like, greeting card town. Yeah, it... It used to be where there was, like, loads of lavender. On a hill, like, perhaps? No, but it was, like, not, like, a plantation, but, like, a... Oh, like a... An area where loads of lavender was cultivated. Uh-huh. Or farmed, or whatever you want to call it. Um, But it isn't anymore. Oh. Anyway. A dark figure leapt out from a dark alley, and the figure gripped Mary tightly with superhuman strength. And then began kissing her, whilst ripping at her claws and stroking her bare skin with his claws. Ew. Which Mary described as cold and clammy like a corpse. Ew, 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 ew. My thoughts entirely. As most of us would likely do in this situation, Mary screamed in terror. This frightened this creature, and he fled into the night. Mary's screams brought out many residents into the street, and a search quickly began, but there was no sign of this weird creature figure that had jumped out. He was gone into the night. I mean, thank God. Wouldn't want that thing around me for longer than necessary. Now, while this attack was horrific and, you know, no doubt the sexual assault of a young woman just walking home one night, uh, the claws and superhuman strength could have been written off all too easily as a traumatized woman trying to make sense of her attack, assigning terrifying characteristics to, you know, an ordinary human man. Yeah, and and that sort of thing does happen not so much anymore but especially sort of in the olden days when you know not saying that crime was less common but there was it wasn't talked about as much yeah and so it wasn't acknowledged like creepers or even rapists weren't acknowledged the same way they are now yeah and, and so 
you did get this kind of assigning of superhuman characteristics to make sense of a a, a human assault. It's 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 a lot more logical in that time and space to subscribe some sort of like mythological meaning to things like that. Yeah, and I mean that is kind of the basis of most of our folklore. Yeah. Was was a way of making sense of things that you either didn't understand, things that you know, sort of science and technology at that point in time hadn't caught up. Yeah. Or, you know, medicine hadn't caught up with, with what illnesses there were, so um It's like ways say, to explain the natural world. Yeah. Again, understandable that this could be sort of written off as just like trying to to make sense of what's happened. Until there was a similar attack just one day later. The next night, a carriage was traveling through the same Lavender Hill area of South London when a creature jumped out in front of the carriage, causing the footman to lose control of the carriage and crash. Is it bad that I find the idea of a horse-drawn carriage crashing amusing? Because I know that sounds awful, but I just don't... They don't go at high speeds, so that the image I have in my head of them crashing is very slow motion. See, I I just picture, like, like everything going in opposite directions so like horses going pew pew and then the carriage going like back and and like sort of like an (laughs) explosion of carriage which is probably not at all accurate like things probably just tipped over but (laughs) slow motion carriage crashes aside (laughs) um the figure escaped by jumping over a nine foot high wall cackling with a ringing laugh is a sentence that will haunt me tonight. Thank you. Um, and I'm sorry. <laughs> as the story traveled across London, the press soon got hold of it, and they nicknamed the creature Spring Jack based on his supposed ability to jump over nine feet or two meters into the air. Now seems like a good time to talk a little bit about this time in Victorian Britain. Now, we're calling the time period the Victorian era, which it technically was, but Mm. the time of this first uh, reported sighting of Springheel Jack, October 1837, was just three months into Queen Victoria's reign. Mm. Um, And there was kind of a duality to this period of British history. So the 19th century is seen as this time of great scientific, medical, technological discovery, and advancements, education was becoming increasingly accessible for the masses, which is then obviously seen, you know, 50 years later with the frenzy around um, Jack the Ripper Mm -hmm. because literacy had increased so much amongst the general population that suddenly everyone could read the papers and knew what was going on. Yeah. But at the same time, it was also like, People were just fascinated with like parapsychology, spiritualism, mysticism, all of that. I mean, you had like um, Ouija boards, things like that. They were originally like parlor games. Oh, yeah. Because people were fascinated 
with this idea of spiritualism. Um, and although like this period is one of like great and significant advancements, it was very chaotic. Um, this era was marked by extreme poverty, epidemics. Nothing's changed really, has it? <laughs> High levels of infant mortality, uh, the Industrial Revolution meant that the city of London was filled with smoke. That's why it's called the Big Smoke. And it's this, you know, this kind of dark, dank, fog-filled atmosphere is later immortalized in the stories of Jack the Ripper, which are obviously a lot better known than the story of spring Jack. But you kind of got this, this very dual nature to this time period. Yeah. And uh, novelist Jack London, who was actually an American novelist, (laughs) uh, lived in London for a year around the turn of the 20th century and described it as the abyss. So that tells you what it was like. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Um, Yes. (laughs) So three months after the two attacks in Lavender Hill on January 8th, 1938, Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cowan, confirmed reports and complaints of Springheeled Jack. Cowan was a skeptic, but he relayed a message he had received from an anonymous, concerned resident of Peckham, which is not that far away from Clapham Common and Lavender Hill, uh, about a mile east. The resident claimed, quote, It appears that some individuals of the highest ranks of life have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil, and moreover that he will not enter a gentleman's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are not likely to recover, but to become burdens to their families. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, so when the Lord Mayor read this letter out at his public session, a member of the audience confirmed that servant girls in the more affluent areas of Kensington, Ealing, and Hammersmith had been telling stories of this terrible devil. Uh, the story was reported in the Times newspaper, and the following day, the Lord Mayor received piles of letters from concerned London citizens who had all experienced the same thing. Reports flooded in from all across the city, with one letter claiming that several people from Stockwell, Brixton, Camberwell and Vauxhall had even died from fright. Oh, shit. And Stockwell, Brixton, Camberwell and Vauxhall are all in the same sort of area in south london um lavender hill is also in this area so it's very although it has been seen in other parts of the city it seems to be very concentrated Mm -hmm. in uh, this area of south london as well Uh, other reports claimed that young women had been attacked by springheel jack but after he was chased off the woman would the women would begin having fits some of these women never recovered and suffered seizures for the rest of their lives. Hmm. That doesn't mean they had a constant seizure. That means yeah. on and off. <laughs> they had recurring seizures. Yeah. 
On January 20th, 1838, the Penny Satirist, which was a weekly newspaper supposedly devoted to exposing the transgressions of more quote-unquote obscure citizens and was well known for sensationalizing news stories and attracting lawsuits, <laughs> claimed, um, coined the name spring Jack. And it seems that this creature was known as spring Jack forevermore. It's catchy. You gotta give him that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it sounds a lot it sounds a lot less intimidating than a man going around sexually assaulting women. I mean, for fucking sure. Which is what's happening. Yes, absolutely. So just six weeks after the Lord Mayor's public session uh, in which he confirmed the reports of spring Jack came two of the most well-known reports of interactions with this creature. On the night of February 19th, 1838, Jane Alsop opened the door of her parents' house to a man claiming to be a police officer. The man told Jane to bring a light with her as they had, quote, caught spring-heeled Jack here in the lane. Jane took the man a candle, but as soon as she handed it to him, he threw off his large cloak and, this sentence took a turn, vomited blue and white flames. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> um so so yeah, he threw off his cloak and puked up blue and white flames, as we all do after a rough night out. Um so <laughs> that that's not flames, that's like aftershocks, sours, Mickey fins, just anything dodgy that you've taken a shot on. <laughs> Fireball. Um, well funny you should say fireballs oh <laughs> uh-huh. i am just on topic today she described him as having red eyes which resembled fireballs not the cinnamon uh alcohol unfortunately so he had big old red fireball eyes he wore a black helmet and tight fitting white clothing uh, he gripped her with his claws, which she described as metallic. Uh, she managed to get away, but he ripped her dress and cut her neck and arms. Jane screamed for help and uh, was eventually saved by one of her sisters, but her attacker quickly escaped. Just nine days later, the second of the most famous spring Jack attacks would take place. 18-year-old Lucy Scales was returning to her home, Uh, in a fashionable part of Limehouse in London's East End. She'd been visiting her brother, and Lucy was, uh, she was walking ahead of her sister, who'd also been to visit their brother with her, and they passed the end of an alleyway. A man jumped out at Lucy. He was wearing a cloak, and, quote, spurted a quantity of blue flame from his mouth. I'm... I'm a very visual person, so I'm picturing all of this as if it's like a a movie playing out and it's just like blue flames and it's it's wild. Lucy went into shock, dropped to the ground, and then she began suffering fits on and off for the next few hours. Shit. And her brother would say, because they'd only just left the brother's house 
and he said he could hear screams from his sisters just a few minutes later. Um, so he obviously like ran out. And by the time he reached the girls, Lucy was already suffering this first seizure and the sister was trying to comfort her. But the assailant was nowhere to be seen. He was described as tall, thin, of a gentlemanly appearance, wearing a cloak and carrying a lantern similar to those carried by police officers at the time. Oh, he's like some sort of like Victorian Batman. Yeah, it's a very, you can't see the face very well in that picture. It's very kind of camp. Yes, it it is. It's, it, it looks like. It's something I kind of expect to see on, uh, on like RuPaul's Drag Race or something. Yeah, yeah. Very, very um, costumey. We will post the, some pictures oh, on social media, absolutely, and on the website, so you can, you know, see for yourself. Enjoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, yes. So very tall, thin appearance. Um, the lantern is interesting. Yeah, it is. Because in the earlier attack on Jane Alsop. She said that the man who came to the door pretend was impersonating a police officer. Yeah. Which, you know, is quite common with sort of serial criminals mm -hmm. that their MO is to pretend to be an officer because that lulls people into like a false sense of security. Yeah, exactly. Um so although the most famous attacks of Spring-Heeled Jack were recorded in London, he was also spotted throughout the UK in uh, Liverpool, Aldershot Military Barracks, Sheffield, Scotland, and Lincolnshire. Uh, sightings continued for almost 70 years, which fed into the popular lore surrounding Jack that he was a supernatural being. Uh, the last reported sighting was in Liverpool in 1904. Uh, perhaps one of the most interesting attacks was the one at Aldershot. So Aldershot is about 30 miles outside of London and most famous for its military barracks. In August 1877, so that's 40 years after the first reports of Spring-Heeled Jack, uh, he advanced on a group of soldiers. Now, Jack had a habit of attacking coach drivers and footmen, but this is the first report we found of him attacking a group of men, uh, because, as you probably could have guessed, in the 1870s, there were no women in the military, so it's just dudes. Military dudes. Yeah, and yeah, and like you said, he did attack coach drivers and cars you know slow motion Chaos. crashes <laughs> but i couldn't find any reports of him you know just attacking men going about their business going about their day it was only only seemed to be like coach drivers yeah or women on their own yeah. so this is interesting yeah, it's, to say the it's least. different um so the story goes that spring Hill jack advanced on a sentry who was on duty and a group of men close by. The sentry challenged the figure, but he ignored him, walked up to him, <laughs> and slapped him in the face multiple times. What kind of sentry 
are you if you're letting an unknown person <laughs> get close enough to slap you in the face? You're not doing a very good job. I mean... You are meant to be guarding military barracks. What are you playing at? That's fair. I'm just a little... Quack, 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 quack. I just... This is... This is all very comical in my mental image. And I'm sure it's oh, supposed I... to be terrifying, but like... I just love it. Yeah, but, but let you say, if, if you're on guard... And, you know, you shout at someone to, you know, stop. Yeah. Don't come any closer. And they keep coming up to you. Do something. You either shoot them. Yeah. Or you hit them with something. Yeah. You challenge them in some way. You don't let them walk up to you and go. Yeah. Slapping you in the like, face. Like, you're a guard. You should have some sort of, like, big stick to, like, poke people back and say, stop it, you. Mm. Maybe in, in, with a or little even more like, gusto than that. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of weapon they would have had 18. as, you know, a sentry guard in a military barracks, but they would have had something, something and they would have been trained in some way to stop people. I'm sure they had some sort of, like, rifle with a bayonet on it. Yeah. Like... Yeah, so you either, either you know, stabby-stab <laughs> or swing it around, just hit them with the butt of the rifle. Yeah, something. You don't have to... You know, you don't have to really, really seriously injure someone to get them to back off. Unless it's a a tall, fire-puking tall... slapper. Yes. <laughs> this this thing, this creature, he walks up to the guard and he just whacks him in the face a few times. It's bizarre, strange, probably preventable. Um, another soldier shot at the figure. Although some reports speculate that they may have been using blanks, uh, but the shot had no physical effect on the man. He simply turned and leaped away with incredible bounds, quote unquote. Incredible, indeed. Maybe he was just like a really good, like, triple jump, <laughs> and he could just keep doing it over and over. <laughs> and <laughs> It's like yes, exactly. Like he's a he's just your 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 Victorian London Super Mario. By the time of the Aldershot incident, the sort of urban legend surrounding Springheel Jack had entered Victorian popular culture. He was written into Penny Dreadfuls, um, also known as Penny Horrible, Penny Awful, and Penny Blood. Because they were typically sort of horror or supernatural, spooky kind of stories. And he was largely portrayed as a villain or a bogeyman type of, of character. Parents would use him as a way of scaring their children into behaving themselves. Where did we hear that? <laughs> sure, we've, sure we talked about that recently. recently fairly recently. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if kids, if they didn't behave, spring Jack would spy on them through their windows while they slept. Mm. And I mean, that is like one of the, that's a very common like human fear thing is the person at the window, isn't it? Yeah, that, yeah, that's sort of like someone's watching you kind of thing. Yeah. I just almost said like Santa Claus, but I don't think that really applies 
here. No, Santa is watching us for a different reason. Different. Santa reasons. is wholesome. He steals the credits for our parents buying us Christmas presents. If you didn't know, children, Santa's not real. <laughs> Please, no children, listen to us. Dear God, run away. I, I'm worried if small children listen to Please this. Please don't listen. They should not be. Don't listen. Go. And your parents should be on the naughty list if they let you listen to this. Go outside. Go play. Climb a tree. Yes, please. Don't talk to strangers. No. Uh, oh lord, yes. So, watching. Not like Santa Claus. However, moving on. Well, Taylor collects herself. By the 1900s, Springheel Jack was portrayed as more of like an altruistic superhero type of character. He, in mostly in Pulp Fiction publications, essentially he was like a precursor to the comic book superhero, yeah. which is a weird glow up. Yeah, seriously. Fast forward a century, and nowadays Springheel Jack is widely recognised as a phantom attacker. This is a creature which is a phantom, but appears as an ordinary human usually a criminal. He has also been described as a devil and a ghost. So from this description, you can probably guess that Springheel Jack is now thought of as a fictional being. At least in the sense of the tall, pale, thin man with red flame ball eyes and metallic claws who can jump three meters in the air and breathe blue flames. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there was a man or men, you know, stalking the streets of London, jumping out on young women, tearing at their clothes, assaulting them, and generally just terrifying the living daylights out of them. So let's move on to the less supernatural and more real suspects who may have been Springheel Jack. Mm -hmm. um, so... In 1838, Thomas Milbank was arrested and tried at Lambeth Street Court because he claimed that he was Springheel Jack. Uh, the only... Well, that's a good enough reason. Right, it's like, I'm this guy. Well, okay, off to court with you. Uh, <laughs> the only reason he was not convicted was because he, would, he admitted to not being able to spit fire because... As as Jane Alsop had claimed, her attacker was able to breathe blue flames, but uh, good old Tommy boy, he's like, no, you're right, I can't do that. So, I love that. <laughs> that has got to be one of the best reasons for, for a not guilty verdict. Yeah. Oh, well, he couldn't breathe blue flames. Yeah, right. Ugh. I hate it when the defendants can't breathe fire. Uh <laughs> Uh, so, nearly a decade later, in July of 1847, an investigation in Devon led to the arrest of a man named Captain Finch. He was convicted of assaulting two women while wearing a skin coat, which looked like a bullock's hide, a skull cap, horns, and a mask. Great. Sounds like quite the getup. Um... <laughs> I am having trouble imagining that because it's just so ridiculous. Yes. 
Very. The investigation was into Springheel Jack, but Finch was never proven to be the feared boogeyman. Uh, the Lord Mayor accused a group of young aristocrats of being Springheel Jack or Springheeled Jacks, plural, um, as they made an irresponsible wager to dress as a bear, a ghost, and the devil himself. Which you might remember from the letter from the uh, Peckham resident, which was read out at the mayor's public session. And, you know, in that letter, it mentioned a group who had made a pact to scare young women. And just with uh, Jack the Ripper, there's also a royal conspiracy of sorts in the law of Springheel Jack. For our final suspect. It was rumoured throughout the 1840s that the Marquis of Waterford was Springheel Jack because he had contempt for women and police officers. So Waterford is in Southern Ireland. Like, well, it's in the Republic of Ireland, but it's in the south, south of the Republic of Ireland, I think. The Marquis was known as a bit of a loose cannon, uh, frequently getting into drunken brawls, vicious fights... And he was pretty much up for anything, especially for a bet, and even acquired the nickname the Mad Marquis. Um, as we said, he was, you know, Irish nobility, but he was known to be in London during the most high-profile attacks in 1837 and 1838. So, could be. It is possible. Could be. Mm. Um... Now, as we said before, no one has ever been caught or definitively identified as spring Jack, leaving some people to believe he was just a man, um, albeit with copycats following in the later decades, and that the supernatural elements of his character, such as the leaping and fire-breathing, are a result of gossip, superstition, and sensationalist news stories. However, there is a story of a similar being in the Czech Republic, or Czechoslovakia as it was at the time, called Perak, the Springman of Prague. This story uh, originated during the Nazi occupation of Czechoslovakia during the Second World War. Much like Springheel Jack, Perak was described as a tall, thin man with superhuman jumping abilities. But unlike Jack, Perak was regarded as a folk hero, appearing in comic books and short animated films where he fights the Nazis. So, similar in appearance, very different mission. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) Yeah. And that is the story of Springheel Jack. Any thoughts? Comments? What the fuck? Uh, yeah, that one. I mean, I just can't stop picturing it. I I just can't with the fire and the claws and the. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a believer that there are things out there which the the current provable scientific knowledge cannot explain so (laughs) but i don't know if this guy's one of them that's the problem yeah i 
I mean, I'm in no doubt that there was a man going around terrorizing women. Yeah, in for London sure. Because there's always men going around terrorizing women everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. Yes. Um so I believe that bit. I don't believe there's a, a blue fire breathing creature with fireball eyes. No. But it seems so no. plausible. I like I like the um the Czech version. Where he's like a, yeah, a bouncy a bouncy Nazi fighter. <laughs> like yeah. that sounds fun to me. Yeah. And I mean the sort of the early stories, um, you know, like Mary Stevens, mm-hmm. that makes no mention of like the fire breathing, the fireball eyes, anything like that. So I think that was more plausible as it being a man who attacked her. Mm-hmm. Um maybe just and I mean he was a Maybe good it was just jumper. like an early version of Parkour. That's what I was gonna say. Like just like he's just very agile. Yeah. Because all right, they're describing him as being able to jump three foot in the air, but was that just a three foot from a standing? Or like, was he running jump? or or was did was, he like did he take a run up? Did he bounce off the walls? You did know? he like you know, step on a Victorian trash can and sort of catapult himself into the air exactly we don't know all These the are details all questions we don't know the answers to yeah we hope you enjoyed our spooky scary week and a bit of stories mm-hmm. thank you for listening come and find us on social media square mile of murder the podcast uh, let us know what you think about spring jack was he real was he not have you heard any stories about him yeah Happy Halloween, one and all. Yes, happy. Go get your pumpkins lit, throw sweets at children that come and beg at the door, you know, maintain a social distance. Yeah, just like, you can have a candy catching competition, see who can catch it the farthest out. Yeah, you know, have a seance, get the Ouija board out, (laughs) just have a chill night. Yes, watch Hocus Pocus, the seminal Halloween classic. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.